Hey, Summit Church, this is Kent, and I am back with another downtown mini pod. And I wanted to address something that I've been noticing this week as social distancing and COVID 19 and economic downturn and all these things kind of continued on for the week. I've noticed this is, it seems like the hitting the wall week for a lot of people. Like up to this point, everything about Staying home for work has either maybe, I mean, it hasn't been easy for everybody. Some people, it's been hard right from the beginning. But for some people, at the very beginning, it was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. Or, you know, I enjoy some of the benefits of this. Uh, And there's some silver linings. But then you get to this week, and it's like the monotony effect is just really starting to drag you down. It's like this week feels exactly like last week. And there's no reason to believe next week will look any different. And that's the foreseeable future. And so you just start looking through things and are just like, when is it going to end? And the uncertainty really starts to, to drain on people. Uh, I saw this actually in my wife, Sharon. She, uh, this Monday, came, she just woke up and just, you could tell, she was just like not, uh, she's not in, in a good mood. She was just, you know, really uh, uh, irritable and, and, and tense. And... She went and got a workout, and she came back, and she's like, you know, I I just, I think I'm sad. And I'm like, okay, yeah, wh- why? And she said exactly that. Like, it had been weeks on end of being in this house with, with our four children, and it just is this Groundhog's Day repeat effect over and over again. All days look the same, and the weather wasn't that great last week, and, and yeah, it was, it's all, all things were starting to just eventually hit this point of like what was new, novel, interesting, or even hard, but yet you had adrenaline going and starting to wear thin. And so I was grateful because she was able to just recognize like I'm grieving. Like I mentioned on Sunday from that article in the Harvard Business Review, the discomfort you're feeling is grief. It talks about this in the article that a lot of times people are feeling grief and they project it into different things. They project it into anger uh, they project it into sadness. They project it into uh, fear. Uh, there's all different kinds. They project it into denial uh, of emotions or denial of, of realities. And um, yeah, there's all different ways that people kind of have done that. And and I mentioned, like, you see those. You, like, you see the denial at the beginning of, the, of COVID-19. Denial was like, you know, this virus is not going to affect us or maybe this won't affect me. Or then you saw the anger of like, you can't tell me to do this or you can't be in control of this or or again, maybe that was, these are all just like projected towards like the, the macro situations that are going on. But then there's also times where people just project their angers towards micro relationships. And when I say that, I mean like relationships you have and somebody may, you, I'm guessing by just, I'm looking at social media, I'm talking with people, I'm texting with people and I'm sensing that there's a good meal, uh, a good amount of tension going on in people's relationships because yeah, we're in the hitting the wall week and that may or may not get better immediately. So I wanted to, (laughs) I wanted to bless you with what I received as the best advice for dealing with relational conflict. And I think this is, yeah, this is, you can take this to the bank of, this is the closest thing to a silver bullet when it comes to relational conflict. And, um, to set it up, uh, the advice that I received when I was going through some interpersonal conflict, the first thing they told me was, hey, just 
whenever there's stress going on in a person's life, and this right now is like collective stress for the whole world. I mean, this is the biggest global collective stress experience that we've experienced in this lifetime. And we should expect that to create basically an environment where a lot of people are lashing out because that's what people do in stress. So they lash out, uh, you know, they lash out now because of the, the health and safety insecurity, the job insecurity and financial insecurity, the mental health, depression, anxiety, isolation. But regardless, people tend to take the grief that they experience and they project that anxiety, that pain, that anger onto someone or something. And they tend to project it onto someone they deem as safe. And this is huge because if somebody in your life is like lashing out and they are maybe taking something you did and interpreting it in the most ungracious way, or they're all of a sudden just like, you know, they're like, maybe they're recognizing this isn't your fault, but they're just kind of like, you know, really just frustrated and kind of like taking it out on you. In a weird way, it is a very backwards compliment to say that they they think you're a safe person and they have some level of appreciation and value for you, which is why they've chosen to lash out on you. And I know you might be saying, like, that's awesome. I wish they I wish they had less value for me. I wish they thought of me as less safe. But the reality is, is for whatever reason, you're the safest person they're finding. And so they've chosen you. And and what's tough is when they when people do lash out, a lot of times they're basing something that is true. They're like taking they people don't just lash out and, and take something completely unfounded. They'll take something that maybe you honestly did, that maybe was really ultimately not that big of a deal, but they made it into a really big deal. And maybe they've like put in some intentions behind your actions that were, you know, you're just like, I, I honestly, those weren't there. And again, this is a more stress induced and situationally induced. And, and this of course is all disregarding the fact if you've like, you know, honestly punched this person in the face in the last week or stolen, you know, a couple thousand dollars from them or, uh, you know, uh, were reckless with their emotions. I mean, then, you know, that they, they're not projecting that on you. You need to deal with that either way. So you either way, I always say the other way, gotta get rid of that vocal garbage. It's tough because you are having something that they're bringing to you that is based in some level of reality. It's just blown out of proportion. It's, a small problem that they're making a very big problem. And again, maybe even like exaggerating it in their mind or exaggerating your intention. And they're just not being gracious is ultimately probably what's going on. Like it's in the midst, they're coming to you in the midst of time where you're in stress, they're in stress. Nobody knows what they're doing. Everybody's on their heels. Everyone's trying to figure stuff out. Information changes by the hour and they're taking like something that you did or didn't do. And they're like, you know, you should have done or shouldn't have done this. And maybe it's true, but in a certain level, it's just ungracious because it's like, <laughs> You're probably trying, or they're trying, or everyone's trying, and it's just not working out. And and here is the real million-dollar piece of this whole thing. When someone is not being gracious, which is almost always the beginning of all relational conflict, because we're flawed, and you take somebody's flaw, and you just don't show them grace your immediate desire is to lash back. But the only way to compel someone toward grace 
is to show it to them. The only way to actually teach someone what grace looks like is to show it towards them. So you absorb. You fall on your sword. You authentically apologize for what you can. This doesn't mean that you have to apologize for like things that you didn't do. Like, I mean, they, again, they may have like projected some intentions that just really weren't there and you don't have to be like, yeah, you're right. You know, like I, I did have a maniacal intention or whatever, you know, you don't have to like invent things or, or just, you know, say like, oh, you're right about everything. And I'm sorry for everything. That's actually not a healthy way to apologize, but you can look over and be like, uh, you know, yes, I understand that the wording I used there was not helpful. I'm sorry. Or I'm sorry. I'm not able to be more present to you. You're right. I, I am really have not prioritized you and it's in the midst of trying to figure things out and prioritize a lot of different things and 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 maybe that's going to be the reality I'm not probably going to be able to prioritize this relationship as much as I want to and and know that I do want to but uh right now like here's the reality and but I I, I am sorry that we didn't have that conversation I'm sorry I didn't communicate it I mean there's a million things where like I mean yes and in some ways you're like it's frustrating because you're like, am I apologizing for just like not being completely perfect? But, but no, it's in reality, it's like, okay, there is something you've done. And, and, and again, yes, maybe it is like a real thin slice of just like unrealistic expectations of you trying to be perfect. And maybe it is completely unrealistic expectations, ungracious expectations that you should be perfect. But ultimately we have the tools as those who have been saved by grace and are empowered by the Holy Spirit to pick up our cross, to die to self. This is what it looks like, is dying to self, is saying, I'm going to apologize for that thing that, yes, I didn't do, and maybe it's just the flawedness of my humanity, and I'm going to apologize for that flawedness because I recognize that's true of me, and I'm going to own that. Uh, and then I'm going to do things like I'm going to share my heart towards them. If you are frustrated towards them, you may need to take some time away just to kind of like remember what are all the things that you love about this person? What are all the things that you appreciate appreciate about this person? Uh, you know, like literally, like write it out. Like the beginning of a marriage story on Netflix when they write their letters of like, these are all the things that I love about the other person. That is a really healthy thing for you to start out with. Just like how, are, what are all the things I truly love about this person that I can communicate to them? And then I'd say, be slow to speak. They're hurt, they're scared, and so they might continue to lash out even as you extend grace to them. Expect that and prepare your heart to absorb absorb more in that moment and keep pressing in. So it, just barely have a, a, a slow ometer on the old tongue to just be ready to, they, you're going, you're showing them grace, you're extending them grace, and then they lash back just to continue to be more contra uh, confrontational and you absorb that and you re-extend grace. It's very dynamic process and it's, it's, this is not easy. This is the silver bullet. Everybody's like, what's the silver bullet? And a lot of times you're like, you don't really want it because it's, it's not easy, but being slow to speak. So, I mean, so far, what have I said? I've said, uh, you know, absorb what you can authentically apologize for what you can share your heart with them. Be slow to speak. And then remember the times that you've lashed out against the safe people in your life during stress, during fear, and think about what you wanted from them. You wanted them to show you that they loved you. And so do that for them. I mean, ultimately, this is, no one's, no one's exempt from this. Everyone's lashed out against the people who are safe and have been extremely ungracious. 
And so sometimes calling those times to mind or even thinking through, yeah, is there same way I'm doing that right now in the midst of my stress can help you give them a ton of grace because you realize, yeah, this is what I wanted from that person and now I can give that to this person. Now I'm aware and I can give them what I was crying out for. Because I, I, I've talked about this in the past of there's this just sense in all of our minds, on all of our souls, that we are not actually loved by anyone. And so if we take the people who are safest in our mind, the people that actually kind of show like they might love us, what we like to do in times of stress is we, we want to know, I got to know if this person really loves me or not. So I'm going to test them. And they test them. Again, you give a test. Now, often this is a person's test. Is you seem like a safe person, but I bet you can't love me if I say this, if I do this, if I act like this. And again, that's, that's not what they're consciously thinking. They're consciously thinking through this one thing that is just blowing up in their mind and, and they're projecting all their stress and anxiety onto it. And, and all of a sudden it's becoming like a, a lightning rod for things that are not really about that one thing, but that's the thing that it's, it's in their, their vision right now and they can't see past. But ultimately what they're saying is, I bet you'll retreat from me if I push into this. And so if you can absorb the ungraciousness and return graciousness, Again, this is what it looks like to pick up your cross and follow Jesus. This is what it looks like to die herself. And it will not be easy. They'll keep pushing back maybe for a while. But eventually, and maybe no, maybe you don't get to see it, but a lot of times you do if you're consistent and you keep pressing towards them in grace. You see that moment where you set them free. And you set them free from the grief or just the sense of no one loves me or the sense of I'm alone or the sense of anxiety and you just see it fall away and maybe it doesn't stay away but it falls away for just a little bit and it is that moment of like you have passed the test you've shown them that you really care about them you've shown them that they are worthy even in their unworthiness and that just explodes with kingdom life and the Holy Spirit's fruit bursting out of that. And it creates something in that person that then they have more tools and resources to extend to others and push forward. And as well as typically a lot of times that person enters into a new level of trust with you and they open up more of their life to you and you have more areas to, to go deeper into that relationship. So I hope this is helpful. Uh, I hope it's a, I, I guess maybe I hope it's applicable. Maybe I hope it's not applicable. I hope maybe people aren't lashing out at each other. I just get the sense that maybe you're experiencing that. And if you're not now, you have or you will. And again, everybody wants the silver bullet until they realize the silver bullet is actually one that you have to take for the person. But it does work almost every time. And when it doesn't, when it just creates a, a more hardened heart, then yeah, you gotta let let the spirit do that over time what they'll do. And regardless, you've sown the seeds, you've scattered the seed, and you let the spirit grow it as he does. And you let him hold little things together. Alright. That's mine for this this day. I hope it's helpful. I will see uh, you guys digitally 
tomorrow. We're doing back to the live, Instagram live, and we're trying to figure out another platform of live in case you don't have an Instagram account, but we're going to send out details later today. All right, see you then.